0: this message is brought to you by the metamorphosis christian center abuja
1: remain blessed as you listen and at the end of the day we will be the beneficiaries and we will be able to apply what we've learned thanks for the first session for you have shown us a lot of things about conflict resolution so you go into this aspect of how to achieve a successful marriage, the ingredients, we will be able to grasp it. We request for our ability to comprehend and understand in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for in Jesus' mighty name, I've prayed. Amen. Um, thank you so much, uh, and thanks for having me here we're talking about ingredients of a successful marriage. First of all, I want to say that there are two things we need to understand. Knowing the ingredients alone is not enough. Knowing how to blend the uh, ingredients successfully is also very important. You can have salt, have tomatoes, have what do they call it? A bell pepper, sorry. I used to know English. I know it's bell pepper now. I got to know it very recently. I've known it for years. They now say it's bell pepper. So bell pepper... Please, <laughs> what's the word do? <laughs> pepe, okay. Just pepper. You can have everything. And you still come out with a very terrible soup oil. Okay, I put the oil I still come out with a very terrible soup. So we need to understand that very well, that uh, we are dealing with the ingredients and probably how to blend them. One. Then two, even if you know how to blend them, the taste for Mrs. Or person A would definitely be different from the taste of Person B, no matter how well both of them know how to cook the two can come out to be very sweet but the taste to be very different there are some people if they blindfold them and they give them food by the time they taste the soup they know it's their wife's soup immediately because there's a uniqueness in the taste i'm saying this because we're going to talk about ingredients we're going to talk about a lot of things but the most important thing is your uniqueness in blending it to achieve success might be different from the uniqueness of another set of family or another couple in blending that same ingredient to also achieve success. Do you understand what I'm saying, please? So you need to look beyond This is the way the soup is supposed to taste, and that's how I will prescribe for everybody. It's not going to work. So we know the ingredients. The ingredients for self-marriage is more or less uh, known to us. But most of the problem is blending them and understanding how to do it well. That one might take time. That's why we're going to talk about some things. But as we go on, we'll be talking about that. But before we go on into this, I just want to, us to understand some important definitions and terminologies in marriage. Uh, because some of them we know. Some of them we think we know. But not, I'm sure none of them will be new. But we will go through it. Next slide, please. Good. Covenant and contract. We've had this several times. That was the time we won't discuss it extensively here. The only thing I will discuss about this is contract can happen without a relationship covenant cannot happen without a relationship covenant is more or less i was reading online of a christian website a covenant is formalizing a relationship you are form, there is a relationship that is going on but you now want to formalize it you don't want it to be something we now want to say okay a man and a woman, they've been um, having courtship and everything. Now, let's now formalize it with a covenant of marriage. Do we understand? It's still like a contract, but I, I'm very careful not to use so much of contract when talks to wedding, to marriage. So we need to understand that a contract is an agreement between two parties creating mutual obligations that are enforceable by law. Why covenant is a relationship, you can see between two partners, male and female, please. That is very important. In our context, please, male and female. Okay, thank you. It's a little small. Male and female. I didn't put it there, but I'm emphasizing that. Please, between male and female who make binding promises to each other. And they do something after that. They work together mm, to reach a common goal. You can see that sounds more like a marriage. That sounds more like what marriage really is than the contract, more or less. So there is a binding promise and the two of them work together to achieve a common goal. So we need to understand that very well, that We call it marriage contract, marriage contract, but I am of the opinion that it is more of a covenant. If you go through the Bible, we discover that most of the time, when when the God's covenant with man is compared, the the analogy is to uh, they use the analogy of marriage. Say Jesus is our husband, we are the bride. Do we understand? so and we know that god does not have a contract with us god has a covenant with us so we need to understand that very well next one please wedding wedding it sounds very simple yes a lot of people prepare for wedding but not for marriage you can prepare for a very elaborate wedding and not prepare for a successful marriage Money, a lot of money can do a lavish wedding. But money cannot do a lavish marriage. So wedding is just a ceremony where two people are united in marriage. But A lot of people spend an extreme amount of energy, time, efforts on the wedding and less on how the marriage will be successful. If you ask some people you are marrying next next week or next month. What's your preparation? They will tell you they've gotten to get clothes, be they've done this. For example, please have you gone what's the quality of your counselling? It's like sorry, I will have to see you actually so is that what we are telling you? We are talking about how the wedding would be... I'm not saying you shouldn't do weddings very well. You understand? What's the quality of the counseling you've gone through? How many books have you read about marriage? How may, what are your examples that you think can help you to achieve successful marriage? Most people don't do that. The only thing is the wedding... Ah, will paint the town red. Wonderful. It'll be great. Everybody will know somebody that's wedded in this town. That is just wedding... It is not marriage. We need to understand that. Next one, please. Next one, please. Next slide. Stabolu, next slide. Media. So, anyway, while we're waiting for that, so we should understand that marriage is in essence the establishing of a covenant between two people establishing of a covenant between two people and uh, god has set the pattern for all covenants god has set the pattern for all covenants including wedding or marriages all covenants there is a pattern god has set and that pattern is sort of stabilized it's sort of standardized so we're going to get into that it's not that it's different for it's like a foundation it's like you have a foundation you have a place you can now build and whatever you want to build on it it's giving you a platform that platform has some standardized things that are there and those are some of the things we will be looking into today and uh, when god enters covenant with man This covenant was based on certain character qualities. Please let's put that certain character qualities within God himself that made such covenants possible. And if you look at this next uh, slide, that's exactly where we end. When God makes covenants, he has no intention of breaking that covenant. I'm going there very soon now. So have you filled that uh, space, please? There are some character qualities within God instead that made covenants possible. We'll see them very soon. So, we are trying to see what's the nature of covenants that God made with mankind. What nature of covenant. when God makes covenant with man, God does not take his covenants lightly. It's very serious when it comes to covenants. It's not the God that says, um, please go back to that covenant. Please, can we? Yes. He's serious about that. And we remember um, the story of um, when God made the covenant with uh, Abraham in Genesis 17, 7-8. Seven he made it very clear what he wanted to do. That I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant. Please note that word an everlasting covenant. And God says He, he keeps His covenant on to up to a thousand generations. And I did a small calculation. I first went to check what was the lifespan of a generation. Is between 20 to 30 years. I found the average 25. So if God keeps His covenant up to a thousand generations, that means God will keep His covenant for at least 25,000 years. Do you understand? For at least, for if He keeps it up to a thousand generations, and biblically from um, what do I call it? From Adam till date. According to Bible, I don't think it's up to that. So, it's just telling us that it's actually an everlasting gener- um, covenant. It's not the covenant that we but put. It's anger lasts for just four generations. <laughs> when God is angry, that's even Old Testament. Now, so if, once you ask for forgiveness, it finishes. That's all. Do you understand? So, but his covenant lasts 1,000 generations. So it's an everlasting, it's, 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 it keeps going. So, it, and he doesn't have the intention to do that. Look at the rainbow. This covenant has been on since the time of Noah. And it's still on till date. God has never broken it. And he also said that. Day and night, we never cease. until date, we still have it. So God keeps his covenant. He does not joke with his covenant. So we need that. It's not a man that he should lie. Neither is he a son of man that he should repent. Say, as he said it and will he not do it? Or as he spoken and will he not make it good? That's Numbers 23, 19. We need to understand that. So his covenants are there and good. Next slide, please. So in that place, he said, God, he has no intention of breaking. We can we can do that. I've written that. He has no intention of breaking. Breaking. Intention of breaking his covenant. Of breaking his covenant. Now, we're talking about a vow now. Usually, when you have something like a covenant, you see God's pattern, God always follows you with something that is more or less like a vow. I will do this, I will do this, I will do this, I will do this. And uh, God does not take it lightly, and it's told us clearly in his own word that we should not take even our own vows lightly. And if you see that in the book of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 5, 4-6 is telling us that when you make a vow to God do not delay to pay it. Not even to God if you can do that we also do it to our fellow man. We should not delay in paying our vow. Vows are very important. I'm not sure that you can see that thing very well. I, want, I will just read it. You said to keep a vow means not to keep from breaking it but rather to devote the rest of one's life to discovering what the vow means and to be willing to change and grow accordingly. If you want to say, ah, I won't change this vow, I will make sure you are operating something like in the Old Testament mindset. But in the New Testament mindset, this vow, what does it really mean? The Holy Spirit helped me to understand this vow and help me to know what to do to ensure I keep it. Not that. Do not. Do. Don't. You're going to, if you continue to do that, you're going to have issues. But if you devote your life to understanding and discovering the content of this, and you begin to understand, because with understanding comes a better ability to implement. A better ability for you to know how to go about it, rather than you shall not do this. They, they said this marriage, we cannot divorce, so, and we are not divorcing. There is no the probability that divorce will come is high because you don't even understand what it takes not to divorce or what it takes but if it's okay they it said we should not divorce in this marriage yes what are the things we should do how do we order? what is divorce itself? why did god say we should not divorce god did not say we should not ask questions everything is in the bible why did god say we should not divorce why did they say okay it seems divorce is more, makes me to look selfish it seems divorce makes me see it's me i and myself and selfishness is not an attribute of god you are beginning to understand some things and you are being okay if i want to be like god if i want to be like jesus if i want to do things the way jesus was jesus selfish was jesus self-centered we're still going to get to those ones so once you begin to understand okay i will not be selfish i will not be self-centered i will not be proud i will not be this and if i am god will help me you know that you don't have to do anything serious for your marriage to be successful because you are already doing things that will make your marriage successful without you even having that consciousness that you are doing that. You are being regenerated. You are being renewed in your mind because you want to understand what to do. Not just, ah, hmm, this marriage, I cannot take home, So Asha, my money is yellow. We we'll just keep on patching it. So that's, So, we need to understand that very well. So, um, God instructs us never to take our vows lightly. Never to take our vows lightly. That's the space there. Have you written it, please? So, um, there is a question here, but I want to skip the question for now. I want us to have to go a little down, then I will come back to the question. So, we t- initially we spoke about some qualities, some God's natural qualities. Uh, that make uh, him to maintain his covenant with us next slide please next slide so we're going to take them one by one and we're going to see what uh what this means good thank you so we have about five of them here and if and achieve these five and pull them together like I said in our own unique space in a home the, it, we are almost certain that we are going to achieve success you know why? for some family the problem is not love, the problem is faithfulness My father, can there be love without faithfulness? My father, I love my wife but I just don't know for some people, they are it's selfish. You understand. All this, if you look at it very well, they are they are like a component of love, as it were. But it's still different. They are still different. Some people is we live in the same house, but I will never forgive you. Some people, if their wife is sick, it's not your. Just their cup of tea. Sorry. How are you feeling now? Fine. Okay. I think I need to go out and uh, go see my friend. The will be thinking. I thought I told him I'm, I'm not fine. Uh, okay, okay. That's the cool wife. The wife that is more more uh, expressive. Say, Where are you going? Are you blind? Can't you see? I'm not saying you said tell your wife because you are already causing that problem. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can't you see that I'm weak and you are leaving me in this situation? You are going now. Say, so What do you want me to do? Am I your doctor? If you are sick, go to the hospital. Do you understand? That's massive kindness. So what we need, the dose of each of these we need differ. That's why I was talking initially that you may not have the ingredients, but the way you pull them together to achieve success can differ. But we need to know the basics and all these things very well. One thing we are sure of in any marriage uh, that is implemented according to God's precepts is the love of God. If you don't have the love of God, no matter how you love each other, huh, at some point, some people might say it's not possible, but some people have been married for years. They, don't, they are not Christians. They are doing well. Yes. But I can assure you that the greatest stabilizer of any marriage is the love of god because under some circumstances as you look at you ask yourself especially probably in the early phases of the marriage say why did i even marry this person self maybe they blindfolded me or or somebody used some jazz on me because there is nothing at that point there is nothing good you have seen about that person at that point but you remember that, okay? Let agape love still reign, and I can show you, from agape love, anything, all the other loves we've been discussing can actually develop back. Because once agape love is out, it will take the mercy of God for that marriage not to end in divorce, because nothing else is sustaining the marriage. And that's why you will see two people, they are fighting, they don't like each other, they beat each other, and they are still having children. <coughs> you don't know. You see, you, you, in that house, you'll be hearing fight every day. And after six months, the wife is pregnant. You wonder what's happening? What kind of love is in this family? Do we understand? The man is. Tell the woman, abuse the woman, cause the father, cause the mother, cause the day he met her, cause everything, the woman will say the same thing back, beat everybody. Still, you still have two children, three children. So what we're saying is, and after that, each of them move apart. Sometimes I look at some people, after four children, they said they are divorcing. After three children, I now wonder that, but the love that made them have three, four children. What happened to it? So that's what I'm talking about. So the love of God is very key in stabilizing a marriage and an ingredient to a successful marriage. And the love of God is available to all of us if we are open to it. If we allow that love to Permit our family, to permit our marriage and make our marriage functional. I can say it categorically that a family without the love of God will have a dysfunctional marriage. I'm not apologetic about that. What I mean by dysfunctional is that marriage will not be in line with the will of God. And for me, no matter how successful your marriage is, no matter what you do, if you don't achieve God's purpose for your union, I don't see it as functional. I don't see it as successful. That's, that's what I mean by that. Not that they won't be happy, either, they won't do things. No. What I mean is the love of God has some things that helps you to, to achieve what God wants you to do without a lot of distress without a lot of uh, uh, chale- problems problems we come challenges we come but it won't t- let me say challenges we come but it won't become a, a, a protracted problem because you hear the Holy Spirit who tells you what you need to do in an atmosphere of love that you can that is regenerative Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So that's the love of God. God is never motivated by self-interest or selfishness. Let us note that. And He chooses to enter into covenant relationship with His divine love. When God wants to make a covenant with a person, it is always and always uh, in an atmosphere of love. What did Solomon do? God said, Solomon, you have offended me seriously. But I will not break this kingdom in your own reign. Why? Because of my covenant eh? with David. Because David did something that God loves. Do you understand? It was based on love. Look at Abraham. The same thing. Isaac, Jacob... Moses. Keep the, the, the record is love. Look at even Jesus. We need to understand that. That in our relationship, in our marriage, you can say, I'm not talking about love for each other. It's very, very important. But there is a love that is more important than that. And that is the love for God. Love each other very well. Do love things, romantic and everything but note that the love of God creates a protective atmosphere around the home that safeguards you against the wiles of the devil the second one is the faithfulness of God the faithfulness of God. Well, we don't have to say much. In 2 Timothy 2.13, God says, If we are faithless, He will remain faithful. He cannot discern Himself. Look at the contemporary version. is saying, if we are not faithful, He will still be faithful. That means the faithfulness of God is not conditional. Do we understand? Even if you say, God, I don't love you again. God, you are not this. God will still tell you, well, you said so. For me, I still love you. For me, I'm still faithful to you. For me, I will still do what I said I will do. But what will now happen is, if you are not in the position or you don't position yourself to now receive it, that's now that's another different thing. Because I might want to give you something, but you might not have the wherewithal to receive it. And it looks as if ah, God is now more faithful. God is no more faithful. But God is always faithful. His faithfulness is always sure. He said even when we, re- we are faithless, He remains faithful. And why? Because he's stable. God is stable and is unchanging in his commitments. That's what I was saying initially. He's stable and is unfaithful in his commitment. God does not change his commitment. Once he says, I will do this, he keeps at it. Though, you might say it seems like God wants to change. But we know that by God's nature and character... Is stable and it does not change. So when is we look at it, that God is changing, we have to look at what is actually changing. Is it His nature, or the consequences of His nature? By His nature, it will not change, but the consequences will change usually to favor us. Look at the story of Jonah. It looked as if God changed. Because God said, I will destroy. Those people repented and He did not destroy. What we should know that what did not change is the mercy of God. God is unchangingly merciful. Do you understand? God is unchangingly merciful. So if he says, I will do this, and the person changes, his nature is to show mercy. And by showing mercy... The consequence that was to happen will not happen. So if you look at it, God said it, and He hasn't done it. No. It's the consequence that has changed because of His stable and unchanging nature. So we need to understand that He is a rock, and we can depend on the fact that if He makes a vow today, it will still it will still be in His heart to keep that vow. Tomorrow and beyond. Tomorrow and beyond. Example is, can you imagine, God made a promise to one man. And the nation that came out of that one man, God is still faithful to that promise. God made a promise to Abraham. And now, the nation of Israel, They are still enjoying that promise. How many thousands of years ago? So he is faithful to whatever he says he will do. Are we following, please? Good. So, the next one is the forgiveness of God. The forgiveness of God. You know, uh, this is very interesting. When God forgives, God will say, I don't remember. It's like, Your sins, I remember no more. As, in, as if it doesn't happen. That's the way God forgives. And someone says, It's the only God that can forgive like that, too. That me, well, I can forgive, but I will not forget. That's for another day. <laughs> We've spoken about, can you forgive and forget? But the most important thing, God forgives. And when he forgives, it's absolute. When God forgives, is what? Absolute. It's not partial, it's not relative, it's not that. Uh, if, you, when, if you say, God, I'm sorry, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry, he forgives, and you move ahead. We need to remember that. And that's why in Psalms 130, verses 3 and 4, it said, If you, O Lord, keep a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? Nobody can stand. If now say, We keep, uh, but with you, there is forgiveness. With you, therefore, you are feared.'" With you, there is forgiveness. We should remember that you, that God is a God of forgiveness. Now, let me just read something here. Nehemiah 9.17 is talking about, If they refuse to obey, and they are not mindful of your wonders that you did among them, but they harden their necks in their rebellion, they appointed the leader to return to their bondage, But you, God, are ready to pardon. Gracious and merciful. Slow to anger. Abundant in kindness. And did not forsake them. That is God. And that is the nature of his forgiveness. So we need to understand this very well. We're still going to go into how that relates to our marriage and But we need to first of all understand that when God talks about forgiveness it's slightly different from when man talks about forgiveness. But we are supposed to follow the pattern of God in terms of forgiveness. If Roger Fair I'm just giving an example. She just hit my car now. or I hit his car and he goes to repair it. And maybe I want to drive, and I drove close to his car. He said, "Don't hit my car, because that's how you hit my car yesterday." What? You... <laughs> but sir, you're forgiving me. Yes, I know I'm forgiving you, but I'm just, I'm just cautioning you. <laughs> I'm just reminding you that you should need to be careful. Not for my sake. No, it's for your sake. It's that you won't have to. Just be careful. <laughs> ah, and the man, you feel that, and he said he has forgiven me. Or maybe you are passing by. What's that? Here? Somebody hit you. Ah. It's one of our church members. I don't know what he even had. Maybe he was sleeping. I'm not even sure. He just hit my car like that. He didn't pay me, but I forgive him. <laughs> do you understand? But God is not like that. If God says, I've forgiven you, he has forgiven you, and that is final. So we need to have a good understanding of that. The next one has to do with the selflessness of God. We've mentioned something like that. We we talked about selfishness, selflessness. Sir. Under the sea. Okay. The forgiveness is complete. Sorry. Forgiveness yes, it's still absolute, but what is there yeah, is complete. God's forgiveness is complete. God's forgiveness is complete. There was a the time I was looking at meanings of different words. I was looking that selfishness, selflessness, but I came about another word, selfism. And I said, no, I have to pause. What does this mean? Those people, all they know is, it's a little bit from being selfish. Me, that's all. Not that person, but me. Sir yeah it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a higher grade <laughs> it's, a, it's a little it's like, nothing anything about any other person does not interest them you know selfishness is just i want to have this for myself but for selfism is no other person but me nothing else matters nothing at all but god is selfless and one of the greatest examples of selflessness of god is sending christ to us. Everyone here who has a child, who are married with children, we have a level of selfishness. Yes or no? Eh? Yes or no. Because if I call Sister Janada and I said, Sister Janada, Zion will die for the sinner of the church ah, pastor, uh, doctor, is it the only child in church? <laughs> ah, please, you must tell me the criteria you used to choose. <laughs> you understand? It is well with our children in Jesus' name. I'm just in an illustration. If I start, Sister Jananda is refusing, let me move to bro for life. Before I say bro, and he had, he said, don't even come to me, please pass. <laughs> hmm? If Allah wants to agree like, with that, then people will shift to his side. <laughs> Let's think very well. <laughs> Do we understand? That's what I'm saying. But God was is so was so and is so selfless, decided to give His only begotten Son, one child, most precious, most powerful, to us. We need to understand that. And. In as much as we are still in the flesh, we can imbibe a good uh, uh, percentage, or aspect of this selflessness of God. is very, very, very important to us. So, the next one we're talking about, we're talking about, the merciful kindness of God, the merciful kindness of God. In Psalm eighty six verse fifteen. In Psalm eighty six verse fifteen says, But you O Lord are a God full of compassion and gracious, long suffering and abundant in mercy and truth the space there is merciful kindness, merciful kindness so we can see from this passage that God is merciful, said your mercy endures forever, the mercy of God they are what? they are new every day God is full of mercy and is able to feel sympathy for those he has created. Sometimes you think of people looking at a fellow human being and hacking them down, shooting at point blank range, cutting each other in half. Sometimes I think about it a lot. That those people don't they feel mercy, don't they feel a kind of a repulsion? Ah, huh? I just see somebody and you just hit the person on the head, you see blood, and you don't feel they're even happy. God is not like that, He's a merciful father, and we also need to do that. And we talk about merciful. Kindness. We need to be kind to each other. If there is merciful kindness in a relationship, specifically, I least you can still confide on that love. No spouse will raise his or her hand to beat the wife. Because even if he doesn't love the woman, let's assume love has flown out of the window, he jumped out of it from probably a skyscraper, and before it got, it died. Now, no love. But the merciful kindness of God, if you imbibe into your life, look at the person, this is a creation of God. God is merciful. I also want to be like that. I should be merciful on this person. You will not do it. I'm just giving an example. So we need to understand that very well. That merciful kindness is key to achieving peace to achieving a successful, well-grounded marriage? Because sometimes you just look at at what the person has done to you. Why do um, do wives or husbands pour acid on their wives or their husbands? What could have uh, made them to think to that extreme? What could have made them to think to the point of, let me even kill this person? Let me even end this thing. Because mercy was not in existence again. They are operating on the, an eye for an eye, a tooth for it, an outdated law. It's, it's outdated. That one is outdated. We now have a new covenant where Jesus told us we should pray for our enemies. Huh? You understand? We also pray for those who despisefully use us. That means even if your spouse does something for you, to you, your first response, not, not even your first response, your you should not start thinking of retaliation. You should start thinking of resolution. We had a lot about it. Instead of, most of the time, if somebody does something, the next thing is you want to retaliate. But we are not supposed to go into the mode of retaliation or go into the mode of resolution. So, God is full of mercy and is able to feel sympathy. That's the word, to feel sympathy with those he has created. His mercy is manifest in that he never gives up on us when we fail, and he continually punishes us less than our sins deserve. So we need to understand. So those are the five things we need to know. What was the first one? The faith, the love of God, the faithfulness of God, the selflessness of God the forgiveness of God, and the merciful kindness of God. These are very important natural qualities that makes the covenant commitment possible for God. And these attributes, these qualities, cannot, please note the word, cannot change about God. Do we understand? They... Can not change they are immutable. These are some of the core personality of who God is. So next please. So now, how can we make these qualities to manifest in keeping our marriage? Wow. Next, next one, please. Good. So, for the love of God, it must be the base of every marriage. I think I've spoken about that already. If you, for those that are here to marry, if somebody loves you so much, but you cannot find agape in that person's life, eh? the God kind of love, be careful. And even those who are married, if you look, at say, this is my husband, this is my wife, I sense the way we are going. <laughs> this agape is not what it should be. Please seek counsel. It's very important. Because once that one dies, like I said, there are bound to be issues. So we need that. He said, a man and woman need more than physical attraction. It's letter, physical attraction. They need a divine love to exist between them that is not based on external circumstances. This love can only come from God. I saw this um, quote. I hope it's, it's not very clear, but I read it. it said when couples love God first. They love each other better. When couples love God first, they love each other better. Very important. Excuse me. That's happening. Okay. So, when we talk about 1 Peter 4, it says, and above all, have fervent love for one another. For love, we cover a multitude of sins. Love, we cover what? A multitude of sins. It's very, very important. So, the next one, next slide, please. Faithfulness to each other must be determined. Must be de, must be determined. Goal of both marriage partners. So it must be determined that faithfulness must be a goal that you intend to achieve. If you see that there is a quotation there too that uh, said, "Be faithful when in a relationship." Why? Because it is the best thing you can do for your partner. Be faithful. Now, when we talk about faithfulness, we talk, we think more of infidelity—the wife going out to another husband, the man going back. But for me, I think faithfulness is more than a man that beats his wife is not faithful to the woman because he is not faithful to the vow he or she, he, he made. A woman that is behaving. That is uh, uh, manipulating the husband, that is usurping the, the duty or the power of the husband at home, uh, is not being faithful. Because faithfulness just means you are compliant, you, you stay with the vow you made. You stay with the vow you made. It is very, very important. So, to be faithful is to be loyal. That was the space there. To be faithful is to be loyal. To be faithful is to be loyal, constant, steadfast, and resolute. To be faithful is to to give unswerving adherence to a person, to an oath or a promise. To an oath or a promise. It's very important we understand that unswavering, unswavering, you, you, do, you, don't, you don't waver to the... You are steadfast. You are consistent. And we should know that God's faithfulness extends to all aspects of His relationship with us. All aspects of His relationship with us, God is faithful and its faithfulness extends to all those places. The next one we're talking about is forgiveness. Forgiveness. Next one, please. Forgiveness. Forgiveness must be an operating principle in a successful marriage. And there's a quotation there that says there is no love without Forgiveness. And there is no forgiveness without love. There is no love without forgiveness, and there is no forgiveness without love. The whole my relationship, everything you are doing in the marriage should be based on repentance and forgiveness. We had some in the first session that there is no way conflict will not arise. But this is what we keep you because you are ready to forgive when such things arise. We up. There are some marriages that there is nothing like forgiveness. He has done it. I will do my own too. I must do my own. He said I will do it back. I will do my own. I must reply. I must, uh, I can, I'm not. I'm not gullible. I'm not stupid. What's the meaning of that? He did it. I ah, know. Like lie. It must not happen. I will reply. Do you understand? That shouldn't be the mindset. We should have the mindset of forgiveness. So forgiveness means to cancel, to pardon, or to release from debt. To cancel, to pardon, or to release. The space there is to release. It involves putting aside and uh, disregarding, putting away completely and unreservedly the sins of another. That is, the space there is disregarding, disregarding, disregarding. It's very important for us to note that, that we need to learn to disregard. We need to learn to disregard some things. Uh, we need to let to disregard and let just let them go. Just let them let them just pass by. Some people they say lie. it must not pass. He has said it. Ah. If I allow it to pass, he will repeat it next time. So let him let him know. I want him to know that what he has done is bad. And I will do it in a way that he will never forget in his life. You're not doing yourself earning good, anyway. Sitting down to resolve issues, yes, it's good. But you should not go with the mindset of unforgiveness to do that. You should go with the mindset of resolution, the mindset of what do we do, how do we go about this thing, what are we going to do about this situation? The situation is already on ground. That's, now, that's the, that's the aspect of forgiveness. Now, that's already a problem. There is, something has happened already. It's not that uh, you are preventing. It has happened. So, what should we do? That would be the mindset. Not, it has happened, I will do my own. That's, no. It has happened, I know, but this is my mindset. I have forgiven, but we need to resolve. Do we understand? Because even if you want to resolve and there is still unforgiveness, the resolution will not work. And if it looks as if it works, that means one person is a deceiver. And that person that is still having the spirit of unforgiveness will still do something to harm the other person. That's why we look at that. But we've spoken to them. They've resolved the issue. They said there is no more problem Ha, like, ah, no problem. Ah, no problem. No problem. It is well. You even hug. The next time you're hearing, said, demanded this to the wife. The Why? Wife. Why you not ask the man? Hm, you remember what you did two years ago? Hm, but we thought we. <laughs> you think I forget? I can never forgive you. I just allowed that to pass because I respect your father. Or I just allowed to pass because I don't want to look like a bad person. You think you can go scot free? That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about when it happens, forgive genuinely. That is what we are talking about in terms of forgiveness. So, when you forgive, you rem- God remembers our sins no more. When He forgives us, we should also try it. Not that, ah, no, it's not possible. I can't, how can I forgive? How can I forget? It's not possible. But have you tried? I can assure you, sometimes we we'll talk about something, maybe myself and I we have some some issues and and after some six months, she has forgiven actually. We forgive she will not ask me, you remember uh, these days I said when did it happen? I was trying to remember it's not that I'm boasting, but I can't she said I can't remember she will not tell me it happens sometimes because I know she's not keeping record, but she just wanted us to discuss. I remember this thing that happened and laugh over it. Interesting, I said when did it happen? But there are some things. When she mentions, I remember. I know that's the problem. And then she mentions, I say, yes, I remember. And I will give the detail. And I know, yes, i have not forgiven. <laughs> yes. Because I would, this is what happened. It happened like this, happened like this, happened like this, happened like this. Happened like this. But, even if he doesn't raise it, I will raise it. Because it still keeps, remind, keeps rolling in my mind. It keeps coming up in my mind. It keeps coming up in my mind. But once I say it, in some months. Because how many things can I keep in my head? I have some other important things to keep in my head. Too many things that I, I stick, I'm still trying to find space for. If I now keep start keeping unforgiveness, start keeping records, trying to meet Jesus' criteria of 47 times, 70 times, you know that's going to be a problem for me. So so that's why. So let me forgive and release. See if you're if you want to release space in your computer. Ah, huh? said. In fact, my own laptop is already showing red. Once that line, that bar, that means to remove something. So I have to look at it. What are the things I don't need, and delete them. I think you should do that once in a while. Since I, I'm finding you to comprehend things, so, please, how many things as I, I don't need in this in my head? Start from things you ought to have forgiven and forgotten. Start deleting them deliberately in your mind. And you begin to have peace. The blood pressure will begin to come down. Some people, their blood pressure is purely due to unforgiveness. Nothing, nothing else. I had a story of a, of a, or, um, of a, of a man and his wife. Uh, I think the man did something to the wife. And they came to the pastor. They spoke. And the pastor told the wife. In fact, the pastor called the wife out. word of knowledge came and said, There is someone here. You are not forgiving your husband if you had the person come out, the person came out, the woman came out, and they prayed for her, but the prayer wasn't worked. I said, you know, that some prayer, you know that there is a problem. So God now, the Holy Spirit told him, ask the woman, are you ready to forgive your husband? Forgive this. The woman, it was as if the woman was possessed, though. she was struggling with unforgiveness. Oh no, I, it's difficult, I cannot, I At the end of the day, she left the church without forgiving it was that bad i didn't know what happened to them later but it could be that bad you might think forgiveness is simple until some things happen then you will know that <laughs> to practice bible is more difficult than to commit sin <laughs> do you understand To practice something, sometimes it's very simple. To practice. it's not just to forgive. No, it can be. It can. It can, it, can, it can. It can. be serious. I read. I read. I read the quotation. It said, "Let's leave the easy, easy things of cheating, hmm? and let's concentrate on the more difficult thing in terms of being faithful." It said, it is easy to cheat? But if you concentrate, you need more concentration. You need to be to be to be." To be deliberate, you need strategy. To be faithful, you can't just. If you just decide to live your life anyhow, do anything anyhow, you will fall. The devil is ready waiting in the corner to just catch you, just like that foolish uh, guy in, uh, in Proverbs that the woman was talking. My bed is beautiful, everything. Yeah? in the evening around seven, eh? Just come around the corner, everything is fine. My husband has traveled since; he's not even at home so and he will not come for a long time he has taken a lot of money so he's gone for a long journey we are free yeah because the guy has no plan for the evening if he has a plan for the evening to stay with his wife he has some plan and the holy spirit is helping me with that plan he will tell you no this night eh, i have a plan to be with my family and i have to be faithful to that promise do you understand that faithfulness will help him eh, to move away from the cheap eh, uh, ability for him to, to cheat. And um, with that, some people in university, we call them NFA, not Nigerian Football Association. They are no future ambition. In medical school, sorry, I don't know for other places, if you are NFA in medical school, you will not graduate. Sure. If you are the best... The lecturers will make sure you don't graduate. And I looked through all those that had the NFE-like way of life. None of them graduated. If one of them got over 300 in jump, when he entered medical school, is it 310 or something? One very outrageous number. He didn't make it to, second to 200 level. Is that serious? The same thing with God. You need to be deliberate in some of these things. You need to be deliberate in the love of God. You need to be deliberate in forgiveness. You need to be deliberate in mercy kindness. You need to be deliberate. God God was deliberate in giving us His children. It's only because He didn't just say, let it hang. If Jesus wants to go, let Him go. If He wants to stay, it's not my problem. He said He gave us. He looked at it and gave us. So you also must look and forgive, must look and be faithful, must be must deliberately do something. Pray the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. So he also removes our sin far from us. He removes our sins far from us as east is from the West. That's Psalm one oh three verse twelve. To forgive is to absolve, I think I've spoken a lot about, to absolve from liability, to punish a crime or fault committed. You absolve, you absolve. The C, it is the voluntary release of a person over which one has legal, legal control. Legal, not legal, legal control. Excuse me. Next slide please. Next slide. Okay. So is this the next slide? Have we seen the slide on selfish selflessness? Huh? Yes. Just hold on there. So um, It said, when God forgives, it does not mean that he temporarily suspends punishment, which he may at some later time inflict. God's forgiveness is complete and eternal. So the space there is suspended. We've spoken about that already. True forgiveness involves a determination never to bring the subject up again. You know, they said, repetition is the secret of knowledge. You should not Um, uh, plan to keep this kind of knowledge. For this one, repetition is not good for you. So you must learn not to keep bringing it up. Over time, I can assure you, over time, even if you still remember, you won't remember the details. If somebody offends you and in 10 years time, you still remember the details, the clothes, the shoe, the time, the location, and the Surrounding circumstances, you've not forgiven very well. You should, you, should, you, should, you should watch yourself. I'm not saying you should not remember. But over time, over time, over time, if you, the memory is very interesting. If you don't keep it to mind over time, you'll still remember, but you won't remember. There are some details that will have gone. And those details are probably the details that annoys you the most, actually. So we need to understand that. I was like, forgive me, no, but ah, that thing pain me, it's still paying myself. So, forgiveness, so true forgiveness involves a determination okay, not to bring the subject up again. Then, forgiveness is a part of the duty of the Christian. It's a duty, it's not, it's not, it's just like um, someone that is employed and they give him a job description. One of the job descriptions of a Christian at salvation is forgiveness. It's one of the things you have to learn. You must forgive. It's very important. God's forgiveness towards us is dependent upon our forgiveness of others. It's dependent. The space there is dependent. So if we fail to forgive, we will live in torment. You know, I said this. Some people, all they need to do is to forgive. And that blood pressure, that ulcer, We go. So, we talk about selflessness now. Selflessness must be in the heart of each marriage partner. Which one is number five? Okay. That's torment. Torment. If we fail to forgive, we will live in torment. Torment. We will live in Torment. So, there is a quotation here too. It talks about the happy marriage is a selfless journey in which the happiness of another person is essential to your own. The happy. If the only thing that makes you happy is when you are happy. In fact, when the other person is happy, you are, you are angry. That's why is he happy now? Eh? Why is he happy? What, what exactly is making him happy? when i when, when I, I have i have not I have, I have not he has not even given me money and he's, he's happy why should he be happy you are just angry because the other person is happy do you understand there are some people like that because you are doing well they are angry and it's not an outsider it's your wife oh. some people if their wife come hey my husband, thank God they promoted me. Ah, uh, congratulations. Ah, uh, why now? Ah, uh, I greeted you now. Congratulations. Which position now? Ah, uh, I'm now the deputy director. Yeah. Eh, deputy director. You and I'm still a manager. And she's now a deputy director. <laughs> this woman will take over the house very soon. Congratulations. Later. Ah. I only, I'm going for a management meeting. Go now! Go go, go! 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 But what will we eat when you go now? No! 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 I have to eat. You understand? You know there are people like that. They are not just happy. And vice versa. So what we're saying is selflessness involves you being happy when another person is happy. Genuinely, be. when your wife is doing well, be happy. Support her. When your husband wants something, ensure that you support him so that he is happy. Let his happiness be a major source of your own happiness. It's very important. And the same with you. I know some people, they will give their wife money to start business. When the business is thriving, they start withdrawing the money. You know why? So, ah, so that she will now become big and no, we want it to let, let the business be in Abuja. Yes, yeah, small. But, uh, my husband, uh, you can see, uh, I got some potential from Lagos. Uh, you know, Lagos is very dangerous. He knows what he's saying. You know, Lagos is very dangerous. Do you know your ways in Lego? Eh, you can help me. Ah, you know I'm busy in office. Let's just do this Abuja thing now. At least we are, doing, we are getting 500,000 every month here. Is it not okay? Ah, but we can expand. No, we can't expand now. You know the children are still small. We need to be at home. If we keep traveling, you know, uh, <laughs> she wants to expand that. Abby, you now become a big businesswoman. And some men will be looking at her. Let us stay, Let us stay in our own small place here. Let the business remain small. Eh, uh-huh. Then everybody is small the way we are. Do you understand? So 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 we need but a selfless person don't won't think like that. So if that's good. Want to encourage, pray about it, and know what the Holy Spirit is saying before you move ahead. So um it's talking about unless both members of a family of a marriage are putting the interest orders before themselves. There is bound to be tension, jealousy, impatience, stubbornness, argumentativeness, criticism, harshness, pride, and oversensitivity throughout. For true harmony to exist, there must be a death of self. That's what I've just explained. A death of self and an exaltation of Christ. A death of self and an exaltation of Christ. There are many traits in each of us that reflect the attitude of selfless, selfishness or living for ourselves. Check those areas in which you may manifest. One is the spirit of exaltation and pride, feeling you are better than the other person. Exaltation is that space, feeling of exaltation and pride. A love of human praise and seeking to be noticed. You understand? You remember the story of Haman? Haman said, I'm, "I was passing by, how dare slave Mordecai will not greet me, a high government official?" Do we understand? And we still have some people like that today. Roger, fair, you know a lot of them are in your sphere. Say, who is that? Somebody, say, who is that guy? You know, those who know you know the reason, because he didn't greet him. Who's that guy? I want to know about that guy. People always say, why why can't you greet him? Can't you see him? Some of the business. Do you understand? Some people all want to be, I, my, they must be, you must must notice me. And that's why people go into depth. You must notice my Rolex wristwatch. You must notice my $10,000 $10,000 um, trekkers. You must notice my Ashwabee. Ah, this Ashwabee, we cannot buy Ashwabee less than $100,000. No. Sir, what of $20,000? Ah, you want to disgrace me, disgrace my family, disgrace everything about us. How can me, me, do you know who I am in this society? Who are you, anyway? Do you understand? So, it's centering of, the next one is centering of conversation around yourself, and your own interest, There are some people, when they get to any place, if there are competition in terms of who is talking, they get annoyed. They must be the one that will talk from A to Z, and everybody must listen to them, whether what they are saying is junk or not. Nobody mu- they must be the center of the event. Yeah, a spirit of impatience with others. Impatience with others, a tendency to criticize. Impatience, that's what is there. Then a spirit of retaliation the next one is retaliation retaliation. please move to the next the next slide the next slide good just stop there so um so sorry, go back to the sorry let's go back to there's one moment okay let's stop there so Then a tendency to criticize and pick flaws when others have been successful. We spoke about that already. Then a jealous disposition and a a secret spirit of envy. A secret spirit of envy. A man that envies his wife's successes or a woman that envies her husband's success. So we need to be careful of all these things. The next one is the merciful kindness. I will just read this quote, and I will move ahead one it said merciful kindness must exist in abundance in the marriage, and I also saw this online I mercy is at the heart of our redemption, and it is at the heart of marriage, giving and receiving it, being healed by it. So mercy is at the heart of our redemption, and it's also the two People involved should have this mindset Not just one person Talk about ownership In marriage we Recognize that we do not own ourselves But that the ownership of ourselves Is given to our spouse If you can find that in 1 Corinthians 7 4. Then we talk about veneration You treat each other with honor You treat each other with what? Honor you treat each other with honor. It's very, very important. And adoration. Now, veneration does, should not translate to fear. You, you honor the person, you respect the person. I know someone, and I, think, I can't remember the place in the Bible, it's, it's only God that should be feared, but you respect men. Fear God, respect man. So, then, earnest effort, earnest effort, we should put genuine effort to ensure this marriage works and you achieve a level of success you intend to achieve. We talk about nourishment, it's just like you nourish your body, the Bible says that when you eat, you nourish your body. You're supposed to nourish your partner, nourish your spouse, nourish your wife or husband. In discussion, in uh, deliberation, prayers, um, studies together. A lot of, you nourish each other. Awesome discussion, family time, good resolution of issues. You are nourishing each other. You are developing each other. It's very important. Then we talk about um, attention. You pay attention to each other. You, you, it's not like we were told in doing the resolution, You are reading newspaper. Sir, I want to discuss something with you. I'm listening. Are you sure you are? I said I'm listening. Ah Arsenal. what's happening with this Ateta again? Eh? Ateta, what this guy will kill us in this arsenal. (laughs) Sir, but I'm talking I'm listening to you. Please keep keep keep. (laughs) talking. Do you understand? You need attention. God pays attention to us. And we also need to pay attention to God and pay attention to our our spouse. We need to be attentive and listen. Then we also need to nurture each other, nurture each other, pay attention, cherish each other, cultivate each other's life, career, nature. Do everything to ensure that this person is doing well. Then, lastly, tolerance. If you put the first letter, you can try put the first. Just remove the first letters of all these things. And tell me what it forms. Somebody should help me do that quickly. It's in your mind, maybe, but just remove the first letters alone. Just the first letter of all those things I've spoken about commitment, ownership, veneration, earnest effort, nourishment, attention, nurture, and tolerance. It returns to covenant. You understand? It means it, it gives you covenant. It's very, very important. So, I'm. Um, true, but I just want us to, I want to show two more slides quickly in five minutes and I'll be true. Uh, expectations in marriage, the, no, go back please. It's been discussed to an extent in the last one, what you expect, but we are talking about how you manage expectation. How do you manage it and ensure that you come out better. Next slide please. I'm not, okay, we can see this, good. You can see that uh, the great, one of the greatest problems that, that causes problems in a marriage is expectations. And we all have, we can, you, 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 you heard the story of that woman that kept changing her expectations. That kept changing her expectations. But one thing I've noticed is most people feels their expectations are not met. Genuine expectations. I'm not saying you shouldn't have expectations. There are some expectations that even if you are praying for that expectation, you are praying amiss. And God will not answer. So, some people are so full of themselves eh, that they feel this one should do this, my husband should have done this. Eh? And once that expectation is not met, it leads to offense. Because they feel, eh, Because if you become offended because somebody did not meet your expectation, you are proud. For me, that's another definition of pride. Why should he meet your expectation in the first instance? Some, not all, but some expectations. Even if your expectation is genuine and it's not met, you should not. It should not create an offence for you. That's the truth. Because there are other ways you can do it. I'm not saying we should not have expectations, no. But don't let a situation whereby your expectations are not met now leads you to being offended. That's where I'm going. Of course, we, if we don't have expectations, we are above all men most miserable. We need to be expectant. But if it's not met, that's what leads to offense. And once offense keeps generating, it goes, eh? And unforgiveness comes in their problem. Hmm? And once unforgiveness comes in like that, and you give no consideration to what is happening to that person, it's just your own selfish expectation that you want done, you don't want to know why it is not met, you take some actions based on your old nature, and it brings out the work of flesh. And from that work of flesh you act. You can see it started from a simple expectation. My husband should have been home by 7. You understand? Very simple. He told me he would come by 7. And I have prepared his food by 7. He said he wants the food hot. And now he comes in by 8. And he said the food is cold. <laughs> Do you understand? So, your expectation is you should come in, even if the food is cold. It was it not the one that came late? <laughs> oh, eh? That's your expectation. You should just eat the food in silence. But you're still saying, the food is cold. Why should it be cold? Yeah, you take offense. Do you understand what I'm saying? You take offense. And unforgiveness forgiveness in, and you don't give concentration that, well, eh? maybe it's just tired. Maybe what? You just and you just excuse me do you realize I have been working since morning and you did answer eh ok that food is because I gave you food today now tomorrow come and ask me to cook food again you said you will come 7 when you come 10 o'clock that's whether that you meet any food it's because you met food that's why you are talking old nature coming out through the work of flesh. Do we understand? From a little expectation that he should come by seven, and he should not complain when he's eating, that alone can scatter the whole thing. Because the man will say, eh, the man will not even eat the food again." And find, you know, men. If he's not very, if he's very angry and that's foolish anger, he will go and sleep hungry. No, but wise anger, he will go to the fridge and look for something to eat. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's wise anger. <coughs> anger in wisdom. <laughs> so <laughs> Yes sir. Uh, he we just find something. Say, I'm not to beat the food is the problem. Let's go to the next one. The last one. Now, if the same thing happens, the man comes and says, This food is your humility says ah. this man, what he said is very bad though. But uh, It's human. Eh? Maybe it's tired. Hmm? So you're already changing your expectation. So one way or the other, your expectation is met. So no offense. Because you have decided to forgive. There's a prior forgiveness. Because you made some consideration. And because of that consideration, your action plan will come out from your new nature. And from that new nature, you, you, your action will be developed from the fruit of the Spirit. Whether you need joy at that time, whether you need self-control, whether you need um, goodness, whatever one, And your action will be more modulated, and in fact the team can end well. Just like the one she said, the husband was moving fast, the wife was moving slowly. The husband said, why are you moving there, there? The wife said, why are you moving weary, weary? (coughs) Old nature will scatter everything. But they looked at it, new nature, okay. Uh, okay, let's combine it, let's do some we read here, we read here, we read here, <laughs> you understand? And that thing ended there. That's because they understood some things and they have an idea of what they're to do. I hope we've been able to learn some things. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you We appreciate you. It's really been a good, um, a good time. Um, let's give him a round of applause again. A lot of work has gone into it, so you know this. That was 80 minutes gone by, right? That was eight in fact, like 85 actually. And you know, even for Istanbul, you're the 80. 80 minutes just ran very fast. Amen. All right, few notices. We'll be going on a break now. Uh, we'll go on a break, and that that will be a long break, not very long, but it's going to be like for 40 minutes because it's our lunch break. Is anybody excited? Yes, it's our lunch break, so we're going to have lunch now, and then we'll be back to listen to the last one, um, the last session. I also want to say to you that after the third session, we will have some question and answer period. Okay, so if you have some questions, please get them, um, get them ready. You can get them across to Sister Kemi. Amen. Now, this session we just had now um, was particularly for single men and single women, but married men and women, we enjoyed it also, right, and lent a great deal, ingredients for a successful marriage. These are some of the things that you should be on the lookout for. And I just want to do a recap as we take our break. It started by telling us that um, it is not contracts, it is what? It is covenants it is not contracts. a lot of people are getting this wrong in this, and that's why they are changing the vows even somebody told me uh, do we have any vow in the bible did we when somebody did they do vow is vow of god should we put vow in is it new testament you know what we don't want to do we find excuses for not wanting to do them these things are not uh, marriages are not contracts they are covenants and then he um, went on to tell us that um, God takes his covenants very, very seriously and he expects us to take our own covenants very seriously too. So once we go into marriage and we know that it is covenant, we go into it Making up your mind that I'm going to make this thing, I'm going to take this covenant very seriously, not casual. And that is why we don't say for better, for better. That is not being serious. That is not that is being irresponsible. Because you and I know that it's not it's not a cost, but it cannot be for better. Things happen. We have ups and downs in life, so we just need to gear ourselves ready for these things, so that when they come, we know we are sticking in, um, you know, sticking with each other. Amen. So it told us five covenants no five attributes right that god has that make it possible for him to fulfill his covenants with us and it is so comforting to know that you know we should just flip these things over and say when you don't forgive we should forgive ourselves but when you don't forgive easily does god throw us away he, he still you know hangs in with us he tells us that you, this thing that you have done is bad he brings us his word confronts us with his word and then we change he doesn't give up on us. So these are, let's have those five attributes again. Love, yes. Love, faithfulness of God. God is faithful to us. And I need to be faithful to my spouse. Not faithful to my spouse until my children come. Amen? Because that's what some people do. They are faithful to their spouse until the children start coming. Once the children start coming, they transfer the love and faithfulness. It is me and my children. This man, I don't know what he is about, you know. But that is not the way it should be. So love, faithfulness, forgiveness, yes. Selflessness, yes. And merciful kindness merciful kindness you know i'm beginning to love the mercy of god and see it from a different perspective than i've seen in different in other times you know Pastor Ade, somebody said it before I, I learned it over now it's coming in the last uh, maybe one month it's really come home to me he said Pastor i said majority of his prayer time he spent asking mercy from the lord if he were to drop on his Conversations with God, you will realize he it it asked more of mercy than every other thing. And you know, when I heard that, and I'm like, because you and I, you would think it's the person that has sinned, right? That needs mercy. But when I heard Pastor Reboya, I knew that it wasn't because of um, sin that he was asking for mercy. I knew I didn't understand it. And I truly didn't understand until like a month ago, I started understanding it because another person said to me, Kendall, this is one person that God sometime maybe like last year or so, or two years ago, just, I just had a dream about him, and his name was given to me in a dream. So I woke up, thank God I keep my journal, you know, I, I write down my dreams. I just said Before that time, I never heard of him. And I decided to go check if that name exists. I checked, I, it was, I didn't see his face in the dream, it was just the name. I went checking and I realized, wow, this man, very elderly right now, maybe he's in his um, late 70s or early 80s, very old right now. I've not even been able to get any of his young pictures or videos. But since that time, I've been listening half-time. Like, every week I listen. I listen several messages every week, you know, about him. But one of the things that he said also, with all this listening, that I've been listening all these while well, it's just recently, maybe like a month ago, that I learned from him also. He said, when you, are, when you come before the Lord for the first time, or no, in the first few minutes of your asking the Lord for anything, after the adoration, the praise, what should you ask for? And he brought Hebrews 4.16 to, you know, to the fore. That he says we shall come boldly to the, throne of, to the throne of grace to obtain what? Mercy. He said you would think it is a mercy for people that are, but you know, I've listened to that message, let me not bore you with it, and I'm beginning to appreciate mercy again. If you receive mercy from God, it's actually very easy for you to, to give mercy to other people. If you check people that are tough and hard, and, they are, and I used to be tough and hard, and I'm still tough and hard in some areas, but I'm, I'm softening because I'm also learning the mercy of God. So that's, um, he called it was merciful kindness of God, amen. So we are told that God is able to deal with us and our failings, our um, um, shortcomings because of these five things, and it's expected that we have them also so that we can deal appropriately with our spouses and other men and women in our lives amen amen so that will be all i just want to read this last portion just above um, just above roman figure four it says because the qualities of love faithfulness forgiveness selflessness and mercy abound in god god is able to keep covenant with his people in spite of all their many failings These qualities must abound in us if we are to maintain the covenant that we we established with our our spouse. Amen. So let's keep those things in mind, those five attributes. Let's keep them in mind, and I pray that the Lord helps us in our journey um, in life, journey in marriage, journey with relationships all around you in Jesus' name. Okay, so we are closing now. This is 2.40. We'll be back by 40 minutes. 3:20. We'll be back by 3:20 for the final session, which is maintaining love in marriage. You know, I have a very, but I don't know, how many of us started the week seeing this um, post. It's a very sad one. A particular woman in Calabar that ran after her husband, and you know, if 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 it's good that we learn all these things, so that you know, it was an untimely death for her, and it's a very sad one really sad I'm like is this a joke when I saw it at first I was like is somebody trying to because I've never heard something like that before it was just very but it's important that we maintain love if we don't maintain love a lot of things can go wrong god wants us to maintain love and we will do it the god's own way in jesus name amen so come back excited for that last session god bless you and god bless our meals let's just pray over our meal father in jesus name we thank you lord for providing us with this lunch Thank you for the water. We bless both in the name of Jesus. We receive them with thanksgiving. We declare, oh God, that they nourish our bodies. And even the times of fellowship that we're going to be having around our meals, we ask, Lord, that you will be here with us. Your spirit is here. All our conversations are guided by you, inspired by you. Truths are dropping left, right, center, even as we, as we eat and fellowship in the name of Jesus. We also receive strength, even for our bodies, to go through the last stage, not with tiredness, but awakened bodies in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for we've prayed in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Enjoy your break.